When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Headstuff Studios in Dublin, welcome to Mother Folklore, a podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. Dark O'Shea is on leave at the moment. I'm your host, Pather Quibonic. And I'm Geraldine McAvoy. Geraldine. Would you say you were Leifa? What does Leifa mean? Well, I can, I can translate it. It means fluent. But what is fluency? And welcome to today's show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I have this theory that is definitely backed up by science um, with a capital S. Uh, that fluency is fake and anyone who says they're fluent in a language, they're entitled to say that. But fluency is a nonsense term. It doesn't mean anything. What is fluent? I don't know all of the English words, but I speak English as my first language. So do I get to say I'm fluent? I, I don't know. I think you pretty much get to say you're fluent in English. So I, lo- I had to look it up before chatting to you about this. So I did... I literally seconds of research and looked which is, it up on which is more than I've done. <laughs> yeah. I think we need looked to it say. up on looked it up on Wiktionary and found the etymology. Ah. And of course, fluence shares a root word with the word flow. Uh, and just like uh, the a river has a confluence mm-hmm. and a, a, a fluency to it, so does one's language. Because if you're just smooth and regular with the language and it comes out gone in stro, then yeah. you're 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 fluent. Now, I don't know if that means you know all the words. But it just indicates to me a level of comfort in speaking the language. Yeah. And if that's what fluency is is understood to be, then sure. I mean, any listener to this show knows that I struggle with English. <laughs> Every now and then I'm like, I don't know what I'm saying. Or the words don't come out properly. Or our producer has a great time literally reconstructing our sentences. <laughs> so I don't know if I've always have a flow in English. I mean, sometimes you just don't have that flow um, because your thought process is not working that way. Um, but I think what fluency often with second language acquisition. So it's never really with your first language that people speak about fluency because yeah. there's just a common understanding that you're. There's you're an fluent. assumption that yeah. if you grew up speaking it, you're, you're you're fluent. Absolutely, but then people have this sort of arbitrary bar that they mark you against. That oh, are you fluent in that language? And I don't know what that means in my particularly in your your second language or any other subsequent languages. I think. A good bar for understanding or, or being competent in a language is can you think in that language or do you think in that language? And that's what I would always have used. When I start to get comfortable speaking Irish or, or whatever it is, I'll 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 start thinking in that language. Do, do we think in language? Well, that's a thing. Do we think yeah. in concepts? I mean, it's a mixture of both, I think. Again, this is based off of absolutely zero we, research. We, we've just, we Derek's out of, the, out of the building a wet week and we've gone from <laughs> talking about fuzzy, nice things about the Irish language to like the Saper Wharf hypothesis and, yeah, and linguistic just theory. making up absolute nonsense research <laughs> that we're standing behind. And we will stand behind it. Yeah, so, okay, so I, I, I get you with the, the thinking language because mm-hmm. I know that like 
after a couple of days and so I, I would consider myself with a pretty good level of German. I just vocabulary is my big letdown. Mm. Um and when I'm rusty I forget the words for things. But a couple of days in Berlin or a couple of days in Salzburg, a couple of days in Vienna or Munich or wherever, and it all starts to come back to me and I find myself not so much translating in my head. The pause yeah. is gone and I'm just saying what's on my mind. So I suppose you could consider that as okay, I'm thinking in German now. Exactly. And yeah. Like so, if that's what we mean by fluency, then I suppose I get you. That's why we never talk about one's fluency when it's when it's your native language, your, exactly. your first language. Yeah, and I think often people put themselves against this arbitrary scale that they're like, "Oh, I, I'm not fluent yet." But but I would argue, like, what does that even mean in terms of? So an example I would often use is, um, uh, I don't know anything about like gaming, as in like. As in, look I, at me. Being, I know a little. So, <laughs> look let's, at me let's having to explain on. gaming because I okay. so, know so little about it. It's where you play the computer games. That's the gaming. That's the yeah. gaming. The, the gaming. So, I know nothing, but I, there are specific <laughs> terms in the gaming world that apply to uh, things like Fortnite. Yeah, I have no idea what, what that is. That's what a teen says when things are cool. They go, Hey, daddy, oh, that's really Fortnite. Do they, like, you could be bullshitting me and I wouldn't know. <laughs> I see it on t-shirts and pennies. That's and I'm like, <laughs> what is Fortnite? <laughs> I'm sorry. Take a moment. Pennies have really cracked into this mass pop culture movement, haven't yes, they? They have. They started with Harry Potter and oh, then they lost their minds. Move for Harry Potter, like oh, pajamas with a. I'm still waiting on my letter from Hogwarts. Yep. It was like, listen, I'm really sorry, Debbie, but you live in Neilstown, <laughs> <laughs> and J.K. Rowling isn't writing a <laughs> book about you. <laughs> Soon they're going to start printing like proper feminist slogans, and I'm just gonna. I know. I'm just going to give them all of my money and be like, here, take my Proper money, feminist slogans like, as in not like, oh, like juicy across the arse of yeah. a pair of jeans. As in not like, oh, just a t-shirt that says woman. Like that I, <laughs> that's just, that could be ambiguously construed as feminist or not feminist. But they're going to have something like, I don't know, um, we all deserve rights or something like that. <laughs> equal pay for equal work would go really, really well on a pennies t-shirt. Yeah, and I would, I'd buy the shit out of that. Like presumably made by, for not equal pay. Yeah, of course not. I mean, no, made, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Made in a Malaysian sweatshop yeah. for less than a dollar a week, but but you yeah, know, small steps, incremental gains. Yeah, but anyway, Fortnite. This is my only interaction with Fortnite, so okay. I know nothing about the terminology specifically associated with with gaming. gaming yeah, and uh, but that being said, I know the terminology specifically associated with knitting because I like to knit. So when you say okay. yarn over needle, you're like. I don't know what that means. I know exactly what that means. Okay. But I mean, those words together, I mean, you know what yarn over a needle is, but together yeah. they mean something very specific in that context. So I think people should talk more about register rather than fluency because I'm fluent in <clears throat> knitting terms. Okay. And specifically... So, so to put this into context, you know pretty much all of the words that gamers use. I know all of the words pretty much that knitters use. Mm -hmm. It's just when we put them into a particular syntax or, exactly. or a particular context that... They, so, yeah, okay. So, basically, you're fluent in knitting. Yeah. Whereas I'd be fairly moderate in gaming. Yeah. One thing I don't do is I don't play online multiplayer games. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I could not live with the humiliation of being beaten up by a 14-year-old boy. nothing to me. The last time I played a video game, you put a CD into a PlayStation and you just had a thing. I, and it was Crash Bandicoot. I, I mean, I still put discs into my PlayStation. That's, that's do kinda, people still do that? That's still Can you it, still do that? That's still how it works, partly. <laughs> they have, although that said, as an environmentalist, I'm a big fan of the fact that now you can actually just download yeah, the games them, yeah. and you don't need a piece of plastic. I discovered that at Christmas time when uh, a, a child in my family wanted a game for Christmas and I was like, sure, I'll buy that. And then I was like, 
where do I buy it? And then realized <laughs> yeah. I had to buy it online. I was like, what do I wrap? Like, yeah, I just yeah. bought it online for them. Yeah, this is the thing. Like, so for years, people are saying like the death of the CD and the death of the DVD and so on and so forth. Like, it's all going to be, it's all going to be digital. It'll all be digital. A lot of people who seem like they must not be fluent in English are throwing around <laughs> the world digital. Like, it's a, it's a thing you can hold in your hand. But at the end of the day, your granny wants to give you something for Christmas that's wrapped in paper. Yeah. And she can't give you a direct download key. But here's what I did. I just download. I just printed off a picture of the front of the game, but like, <laughs> and I just stuck it to cardboard and wrapped that. <laughs> and the kids were like, "Thanks." Like, what is this? And I was like, "Oh, the download uh, yeah. is there as the well." The download is there. Yeah, <laughs> I get my I get, I get my mother um books for Christmas. She's a voracious reader. Yeah, and I get her every birthday, every Christmas, I get her a couple of books. I always get her another present as well, something to put into her hand because she is a Kindle. She loves yeah. the Kindle, best thing ever. So I get her a couple of books. That it goes sent to her email and she gets the link on her birthday and she clicks the link and she downloads. But like, who fucking checks their email on their birthday? I have to tell her. So I need to get her something else like a perfume or something to have. Just something to wrap up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, although that's it. You're a knitter. You should have made the toilet jumper. And then inside the jumper, surprise, surprise, there's a piece of paper to represent a computer game (laughs) that you actually wanted. For any knitter who's listening, okay, there are some, they're yelling at their listening device saying, how long does it take to knit something? Like, it takes, like, a really long time to knit something. I'm assuming you spend six months preparing this child's present. Uh, No. (laughs) They're not that close (laughs) to me. (laughs) I am am not saying it's easy or quick to knit things. Let's just get that one. Let's, let's, let's. Crocheters don't know my pain. They're just crocheting like nobody's business. Let's, let's knit that in the bud right now. Uh, the only knitting terms I know uh, are knit and purl. Because yeah. uh, I learned how to knit in primary school. Yeah, we all did. We all did, yeah. Except I never learned how to like do anything except for the actual act of knitting. So none of us made jumpers. We all made scarves. Yes. Because the only thing we were qualified to knit at the end of a three-week training course uh, was um, long strips of material. Um, and they were a little <laughs> yeah. wobbly at the edges. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yay wide and then starting to bend in at the edges because they were a little bit woo. And there's a little hole. Somebody dropped a stitch but then you picked up three and then, yeah, it was just a little, it was special. Yeah, we all did that. I yeah, think yeah, I might still yeah. have the first one I did. Yeah. But actually, I think Pearl might P-U-R-L that, because that's how it's spelled. Yeah. That might be specific. I think but it is specific to yeah, knitting. It's knitting. a type of stitch. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I digress. But uh, so <laughs> we've, we've digressed a little but... <laughs> Are you familiar with this podcast? Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, on a normal day, we're still on track here. Okay, so you don't know gaming, but you're able to identify the words and pick them out. And yet in that context, you're lost. Exactly. So I suppose what I get from that is you can know all the words in Irish, all of them. Yeah. But if you pop along to a lecture in, say, in DCU, mm-hmm. a, a lecture about the law, I know all the words in Irish. I know all of them. Don't quiz me on this. <laughs> I know all of, <laughs> I feel like Trump. I know all the words. All of Only them. the best ones. The okay? best Only words. Only the important Cafefe. ones. <laughs> um, so I know a lot of words, shall we say. My vocabulary in Irish is pretty strong. But I could go along to a, a, a lecture in Deligas Gaelga and not have a clue what's going on. Exactly. Because I don't know the register. Yeah. And I think that's so important. And it comes into what I'm kind of researching a little bit because particularly because you mentioned the law. So even as a native English speaker, if you've no familiarity with the process in course, you go into course and it's like I have some students who come to me and say it's like learning a different language yeah. because it is because the word legitimate means something in normal 
vocabulary, but it means something completely different in the legal context. Of course. Um, you know, th- these terms that mean something in everyday life have very specific meanings in a legal context. So when you, you go to that, you some people will call it a higher register. I would just call it a different register. I don't like a hierarchy. of. I don't think that's that's helpful. But so it's a specific legal context. So no matter what language your first language is, if you're asked to go along to a court and you have to sit in a court for anyone who's ever done it, like there's some research that says you need at least 14 years of education in the United States to follow a court case, even more so if it's... If 14 it's, years of education 14 in the United years States. of hard, hard, hard uh, education. Wow, or one Irish college. <laughs> <laughs> That's education for you, by. I think that that's a really ambitious statement. Like fourteen years, like that's that's like primary school, secondary school. Like, I yeah, mean, and you're expected the, to understand. That's the entire educational system. Yeah, um, but it takes at least that to follow along. And yet, yeah. when you if you were to go to an American court, you'd find an awful lot of the people being dragged in front of it no. with their lives on the line have not completed fourteen exactly, years of education. Exactly. And then where my research comes into it is where you have a person who's dragged in front of it who not only doesn't have fourteen years of education, who English might not be their first language and their language that they use every day is something yeah. else. Um, so while they may speak that language, they may, in the eyes of a court, in the eyes of other people, be fluent in English. What does that mean in terms of when their their lives are on the line? Yeah, yeah so, so it's really important. Big high profile case that was settled by, eventually by a pardon, um, like 100 years on, 130, 40 years on. Yeah, yeah. It was a documentary, Murder of Amtrasna, mm-hmm. about the these horrific murders that were committed. Uh, and... The men found guilty were innocent, exactly. uh, and and we can officially say these men were innocent because our glorious leader Michael D. Higgins issued a pardon last year yeah. for Miles um, Joyce, or Miles Joyce, as he was tried, mm-hmm. and his uh, compatriots, his uh, his fellow Gaeltacht men from from Mam Cross, but they suffered for the fact that while they were all deemed to be able to communicate in English, they were far from fluent. Exactly, and they weren't given interpretation, so they just sat in complete misunder they had no idea what was going on and they were tried in that scenario and mm. wrongly so and it's only now been uh, there's some I, I believe the documentary was on twice on TG Carrier you might be able to catch it on their player yeah. but it's well worth a watch um, and these people who okay they live in Ireland and it, it, at the time while Irish would have been more readily spoken I mean, sure, maybe they did speak English. Yeah, but there's a big difference between going into Galway once a month to sell a sheep yeah. and using English for that purpose. And yeah. I mean, I can go to Spain and order a beer. Exactly. But if I was in trouble in Spain and fearing for my life, about to be sent to prison, I would definitely need a Spanish solicitor exactly. and some interpretation. Exactly. So there is that murky side to this notion of fluency that it can actually have a really negative impact on people. So that's why I don't like using it at all because I think that it creates this arbitrary black and white nature of language that you either speak that language or you don't. But what the hell Whereas does it's that a, mean? it's a spectrum. Exactly. Language is is ever changing. Mm. It's it's fluid. Like you said earlier, it's yeah. it's God Jesus. We're we're going right back around. <laughs> we're certain we never do this. One of the things one of the things that really sticks out to me is that have you are you familiar with with the the concept of a disfluency? No. So in linguistic terms, a disfluency is a sort of a thing that you jam into a sentence when you don't have a word. All these uhs and ums and swearing on my part. swearing yeah. on my part. Yeah. You know, if you're from Australia, it's a. <laughs> But a, a disfluency, and what I find really interesting is in a lot of cases, a disfluency is a sign of fluency. That, like, mm-hmm. if I start going, uh, the, the, you know, the watchamacallit, the thingamabob, the yoke that your one had, you know, your one with the thing. Yeah, and I know what 
Yeah, yeah I exactly. Know what that is. <laughs> so my <laughs> wife, my wife refers to everything as the thing. Can you can you put the thing on the thing? And I'm I, I'm lost. I'm constantly lost all the time. Like, but the problem is her family understands it all the time. Like you know her, her she'd say to her mom, "Mommy, can you get me a thing out of the thing?" And her mom would come back with like a, a toffee pop biscuit out of the out of the press. I'm like, how did you know? But anyway, but when we jam in these disfluencies, in certain cases, okay, sometimes when you just when you don't know the words and you just reach it and you go, they have this thing called the universal syllable. Almost every language in the world has got, uh, uh, uh. Now some of them finish it with an um, um, and in some languages it's oh, but every every language has this sort of syllable for I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. But then there are other disfluencies that really indicate actually a level of comfort and a level of ease with the language. Like for example in Irish, if you were to start filling in your sentences with that uh people think, Oh Jesus, you're from the Gaeltacht. Exactly. <laughs> Is there anything more of a, a fluent sound than Yara mm. <laughs> <laughs> I've I found out I can speak French uh, in Belgium one day. I found out that I could speak French when I was walking out of a chocolatier and a man was walking in and he asked me in French, oh, Monsieur, c'est un bon chocolatier pour ma famille? And I have no idea what he's saying. I have no idea. But I realised that if I just throw in a series of shrugs and grunts, he was like, Done. oh, merci. And then he went <laughs> and I assume bought some chocolates. Yeah, no, it's, it's to- I can speak that level of finish and that's fine you, that pass, gets, you, could, you pass for a native everyone exactly, thinks yeah. I'm finished <laughs> but the, the funny thing is they're called disfluencies yeah and, and yet they are totally they add to your fluency of exactly language. and they're a negative attribution because there's this idea of fluency versus not fluent and I, I just don't like this idea that like I said like language is black and white like anybody learning it it's, there's this image that many may be familiar with of it's a little cartoon of um Fluency Mountain. Um, so you're you're climbing. You get to like base camp, and you're like, oh, this is really easy. And then you see what else has to go, and it's like the steepest mountain ever because like, and you get to like conversational peak, and that was really hard. But then you got to keep on going, and then you can't see the top of the mountain because I mean, I would argue there is no top of the mountain because you'll never be at a point where you are fluent in every aspect. Okay. Unless maybe you're a lexicographer, where you your job literally <laughs> is to write dictionaries and understand these contexts. Maybe. But even then, but even then, if you're a lexicographer, you can know the spelling and the meaning and the pronunciation of every single word, but using them in context, yeah. in conversation, in whatever it might be. Yeah. Can you hold a knitting conversation? Well, uh, we are, are lexicographers um, are lexicographers, you know, famously romantic and able to chat people up in pubs? Yeah. You know, I'd argue. Probably not. Well, it depends on who you're chatting up. Try it with me because I'd be vastly interested in that. Up to 90, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything from the 90s. So, we're going to talk like Louise Woodward, Italian 90, Macarena, Julie. Goodfellas Pizza, uh, Macaulay Culkin, like, because he was I such a big deal. We all, we'd Julie. all, Julie, just think, yeah, they'll get it. Will they? Of course. Okay. Up to 90, it's a podcast about the 90s. With me, Emma Dorn. And me, Julie J. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Catholicmatch.com, Tinder, um, Plenty of Fish, you know, all the usual oh, spots. Judy. They'll get it. Up to 90.
I remember once seeing this form that actually asked me to, it was for joining an Irish language cultural society and it actually asked me to take what level of Irish. And I kind of weirded out because I'd spoken Irish since I was three years old, can can speak it, know all the words, yeah. uh, but it was never asked to grade my language. Yeah. And it gave me it gave me some options. It was like fwack, cupla fuckal, anachid, leafa, and then at the top enshrined with a little extra ring around the box was kaintorduchish. Yeah. Native speaker. I got really mad at that. I got really mad at that saying like, is there a difference between fluent and native speaker? Because yep. like, I've got a degree in Irish. Like I know, that I know native speakers have got worse spelling and grammar than me, yeah. you know? And yeah, I, I kind of, I've chilled out a bit about that now. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really care if but people want to make the distinction. That is such an interesting point because I see it all the time in my research when I'm talking to people. I ask them, like, I are you a kind or dukish? Are you a native speaker? And everybody has a different interpretation of what that means. Some people might call it a mother tongue. It's my mother tongue. Some people might say it's my first language. Some people will say I'm a native speaker. But that has completely different meanings. To every- There's no standard understanding of what that is. So, for example, in Northern Ireland, a lot back in the, the 90s, I don't know if it's still the case, but I know there was research done that a lot of people um, said to themselves or said on studies that, it's my mother tongue. Irish is my mother tongue. And they didn't speak any language, any of any Irish really, mm. other than a few words, but they felt this connection to it. So that was what they were basing it on. So these terms are arbitrary fluency, mother tongue, uh, native speaker. So I don't think there's a way to grade language. And this assumption, usually on official forms, that, oh yeah, what level of language do you have? Nobody wants the essay that I'm going to write, but God damn it, I'm going to write it anyway. <laughs> the, the, one of the bills that came in front of the Shannon recently was for plain English. Mm. And the Shanador who raised it got a bit of flack because he is an Irish speaker, but didn't include plain Irish on yeah. it. And and there is this weird assumption that if you prefer to use Irish in situations like I do, and I got my census form in Irish and things like that, but this idea that you won't have any problem understanding the Irish that's on it. Absolutely. That's BS. That was so difficult. Yeah. I had to use the dictionary to fill out a census form simply because I've grown up using a different term. Exactly. Than this one there. And like the the assumption that usually what happens is that person says, oh, I'm not good enough at Irish or, oh, I'm I'm not fluent enough. Thankfully, I'm thankfully, I'm arrogant. <laughs> so I knew. So you were like, it's the form. It's the form's fault. <laughs> Whereas a lot of people would just put it back on themselves and be like, oh, I couldn't understand that form or God, I really thought I would be able to understand that radio show, but I wasn't. And that's not on you. They're just talking yeah. about, I don't know. You can you can know all the words, all of the spelling, all of the grammar. You can, you can learn the finest of Irish all your life and then you just turn on Radio on the Gaeltachta and Martin Tom Shawneen is interviewing somebody from one of the islands and it just sounds like... And like, there's there's fifteen thousand people listening to this radio show who know what he means, but it's yeah. it's not what and I that, learned in my book. That's what happens to me. I've been on Radio Nadelska <laughs> many of the times, and sometimes I'm listening it on the way home or something. I'm literally just driving out of RT, and then I'm like, I've no idea what they're saying. What did you just say? What they're talking about chicken? I'm like eighty percent sure they're talking about chicken. Before guys. before Radio Nadelska. People from Munster and Connacht and Ulster would not necessarily have understood each other. The advent of Radio Nagata in the 70s yeah. was one of the best things for bringing Irish speakers together and giving them a, a sense of nationhood and togetherness. Because prior to that, there was minimal contact between yeah, the Gaeltachti. Yeah. They were all very marginalised from each other. Uh, so people from Kerry would not have understood someone from, from, from Donegal. And it was this constant exposure to them on Radio Nagata and eventually Telefish Nagaelga becoming TG Cahar that, that allowed 
this sort of intertwining of Gaelta culture that, you know, now we are all we are all one people, one language community. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, you definitely could not have said that Peg Sayers was not fluent. She was fluent. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But she would not necessarily have understood what, what Seamus McGreen or Joseph O'Greener were saying exactly. from Donegal. Yeah. So, yeah, you definitely, you can't, you can't knock someone down for not understanding something. Yeah, sometimes a person that's speaking has is just really shit at speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you ever listened? Like, my other half is, is completely fluent in, again, fluent, completely, we, we communicate wholly through English. He knows all the words. He knows all of the words. Sometimes, every now and then, I remember one time he said defenestration and I was like, I have no idea what uh, that word means. I know that means. one, that's yeah. being hooshed out a window. Yeah, but yeah. it's so specific and I was like, A, he either think that that, thinks that that is like popular lexicon and I'm just going to go, or B, he's made it up. So I like Googled it and I was like, okay, it's a word, but I had to break it to him. I was like, this is not popular lexicon. Pe- people don't get hooshed out windows that often. Yeah, but when he comes to, I remember his first time to Ireland, we got on the, the airport bus the you know the the, the green yeah, one yeah, yeah. and the bus driver has the, the one that goes all the way down to Leash. No, 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 not that one. The one that goes through Dublin. Do you know oh, the yeah, oh, yeah, 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 oh, that one. yeah, yeah, the Dublin bus one. Because yeah. it was a, a north side Dublin bus driver. He was like, <laughs> "Where are you going?" And, and he was like, "What was that?" And I was like, "Welcome to Ireland, guy." So I did. I did German. I did German in secondary school, and I was pretty good at it, uh, largely because my dad was a musician and went some this is a long story and a crazy one I can't believe I'm telling it but I have to stick with it now <laughs> uh, my dad uh, bought me a computer game for the Super Nintendo uh, it was Starfleet Academy and it was class I was a big Star Trek fan as a kid so I thought this is sweet but it was all in German <laughs> I don't know where, where he got it, it? I, probably in Germany he was a musician he would go on okay, European okay, tours okay. he'd go on tour and bring stuff back um, anyway so I got this place that, or not place it's a Super Nintendo game Star, Star Trek Starfleet Academy and it was brilliant the gameplay was amazing and I loved it but I didn't understand anything so I couldn't progress the story oh, I kept okay. losing at the first mission because mm. I didn't know what was going on so uh, I went down to the library and got myself a first 100 words of German and an audio tape and all that and I started to learn the basics so I was really into German so by the time I hit secondary school I picked German really loved it was mad into it by the time I finished secondary school I was Knew all the words. Yeah, I was class. All the words. It was brilliant. Yeah. It was brilliant. I went to Austria for a couple of months. I lived there, worked as a tour guide, worked in pubs, did a bit of translating. I actually translated official documents for the Austrian government mm, into English. Nice. Translated poetry, all sorts of stuff. Got into college. So happy with like my amazing German results in my Leaving Cert and my months of experience speaking German. And none of the lecturers understood me because I had a thick Salzburg accent. <laughs> It was the equivalent of learning English from a book for years, and then the first time you go and practice it, you land in Cork. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to, basically, I went in thinking I was the dog's bollocks and could speak fluent German, and all of these lecturers thought I sounded like a farmer. (laughs) Because in the same way that in Germany, they have to overdub Arnold Schwarzenegger's films. Uh, They get somebody else to read Arnold Schwarzenegger, even though Schwarzenegger is a fluent... So for Austria, Schwarzenegger does his own lines on the German dub. Yeah. In Germany, they have to get someone else because he sounds like oh, a culture. wow. I love that Arnold Schwarzenegger sounds like a culture. I love that now. That's <laughs> yeah. my new favourite thing. <laughs> but yeah. I, have a, I have a friend from a part in, in Sweden, Malmö, um, is, and he speaks Skåne, which is like almost similar oh, to... Oh, Scanian, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very similar to uh, uh, Danish. 
Um, and like I, I speak relatively decent Swedish and I can't understand this all. <laughs> but I remember he and some friends of mine went to visit Stockholm and he was getting on a bus with a friend of mine who's Egyptian and this guy, this Swedish guy and the Swedish guy had asked for wherever they were going and the bus driver so didn't understand his scone from the same country, not that far away. <laughs> Stockholm is not that far from Alamo. And that the Egyptian guy was like, okay, I'm just going to take over in English now. So he's like, step aside, Sebastian. Like, I got this. Like, but like, it's so, like, it's, it depends on somebody's, like, again, the word choice, the context, the the use of their language, their accent. Like, yeah. so to cut a long story short, don't give yourself too much shit about not being fluent because yeah. it's fake anyway. Have you seen T.G. Cahar's uh, ad campaign for 2018 for last year for Blina Gregor? They had this brilliant ad campaign oh, yeah. called Ta Gwelga Agam. Mm-hmm. And what they'd done is they put in a sliding scale yeah, from very little to like all the way. I know all the words. To yeah. it. I know none of the words. And they, the people they got, absolutely brilliant. They got, they got Panty Bliss. Yeah, yeah. And she was sort of just below halfway going, I don't know everything, but I'm really comfortable. Yeah. And they had like Kathleen Nikkei right up at the top. I'm a TG Cahar weather presenter. Obviously, I know yeah. all the words yeah. and I'm, you know, close to fluent as you can get if fluency is a thing. And my favorite one of them all was Senna Upu who is the Irish rugby international yeah, for yeah. the Irish women's team. She currently plays for Leinster. She used to play for Connacht. And when she was playing for Connacht, that club have an understanding. They have an understanding of what the Irish language means. And when Pat Lamb was the manager of the Connacht men's team, they would always shake hands with Diagwit and Kunasatatu. He would do the interviews with TG Cahar and he would always say Gura Mahagat and Slán at the end of it. Pat Lamb is from Samoa. Yeah. Sana Nupu was born in New Zealand. You know, her husband, George Nupu, also played professional rugby in Ireland and in England. And, you know, so she says, I, I don't speak Irish, but, you know, I have Irish. Yeah, yeah. And it's just part of it. So fluency, yeah, it's bullshit. We don't need it. So on that note. On that note, don't let anyone tell you you're not fluent because it's fake anyway. All right, we're done. <laughs> Cut it there, guys. Uh <laughs> Mother Folklore is a, pod, is a podcast on the House of Podcast Network. It comes out every Friday. Thanks, as always, to Kirsten of the Art and Brian for producing. Until next week, Slán Wemship Hathor Kivonik. August Slán Wemship Carradine. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.